Let's start out uh, our sermon time. We're going to continue doing our memory verse. I know it's in a little weird place today, but we're going to do our memory verse. There's a couple more spaces taken out today. Uh, we'll say it twice together. And then really, as we're saying it, if, if you remember it or if you're listening, I'll just let these be our prayer today. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. All right, one more time. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen to that, right? So right now you can notice I, I am not Pastor Mike. Uh, Pastor Mike is in St. Louis right now with the General Conference with uh, delegates, uh, clergy, and laity from all over the world. Uh, General Conference, there is all of them together. Uh, yesterday they spent a lot of time worshiping, um, worshiping Jesus, and then in the afternoon they spent a lot of time um, laying down some ground rules of how this week is going to work, or this, these few days are going to work. Today they're really um, still working on some ground rules, but they're getting into the voting today. So um, please pray for General Conference. This is the, the overseeing body of all of the Methodist Church. Um, so pray for everyone there that um, if it's God's will, that there would be a revival of the Holy Spirit in that place, um, but also that just we can bless each other. Um, and pray for Pastor Mike as he's there as well, um, our leader, and our, uh, that he will be following God. And today, if you haven't noticed, I'm assuming you have because we've talked about it enough, and you smelled the burritos, it is Camp Sunday, which is pretty exciting that it fell in the middle of this series, which is titled Solid Ground. And with Camp Sunday, we have students all the way from elementary to high school going to camp. And elementary will go to Wesley Woods or Pictured Rocks. And then we usually send our middle schoolers and high schoolers to what is called Summer Games University. So that's what these students have been talking about when they say that Summer Games um, is, is where they have found Jesus. And usually what they'll do is they'll worship and they'll be in small groups and they'll eat a lot of food and they'll drink and they'll play a lot of games um, and they'll have a lot of fun. But if we look back to why Summer Games was started, why Summer Games uh, is alive, is because Summer Games University, University's goal is to share the gospel with middle and high school students. That's why Summer Games started. Its whole goal is to share the gospel with middle and high school students. Now, the solid ground that we as Christians stand on the solid ground that we stand on is salvation. Without salvation, without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be Christians. Without salvation, we would be lost. Without the gospel, we wouldn't be saved. So as you can see, this gospel, this salvation, is what we stand on. And we say the words gospel and salvation a lot, but the, the truth is that the gospel is the good news that we rest our hope on. That's what it is. The gospel is the good news that we rest our hope on. And so, and so often we can share it in many different ways. People like to evangelize or like to use certain tools, but we're going to talk about two key pieces of the gospel that I feel like can communicate it as our solid ground. So the first one is a, is a scripture out of the gospel of Luke, and it's from Luke 19.10, and it's Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save 
for those who are lost. Now, we'll get a little bit more into this later on in the sermon, um, but that is one point. The second point, how many of you have ever seen one of these booklets that have these little colored beads of salvation? We can raise your hands. How many of you have seen these or uh, have the bracelets that have the colored beads? Uh, they like to call them the colors of salvation. I actually got this booklet while I was in Haiti because we, we made uh, bracelets with beads on it. And it basically just tells the gospel. So um, everyone is different. Everyone has different colors. But there's six kind of points you hit. You hit uh, created, sin, blood, washed clean, faith, and eternal life. It's, the, it's going through the gospel from the beginning where we were created in Jesus's, Im, in God's image. And sometimes they use green or blue for that. Um, and then they said uh, sin. Sin had stained us because of what happened in the garden. And usually that's a gray, brown, dark color, um, whatever it is, is the bead. And then the next bead or the next color is red, which is the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for us. And then the next color is white saying our sins, our brokenness, were washed clean, white as snow. And then faith, which is your reading of your Bible, your praying, your going to church, your devotion to the faith in Jesus Christ. And then the final one is gold, which means eternal life, walking along the streets of gold uh, with our Heavenly Father. So, so many Elementary, um, so many Sunday schools and uh, ev evangelists use this because it's an easy way to describe the gospel. It's an easy way to tell the gospel to somebody else that we were in need of a Savior and then a Savior came. Our solid ground, where we stand, our salvation, is looking up to the hill of Calvary where Jesus died. That's where our salvation starts for us. There's a, this past Thursday, we had a, an SGU brunch for youth pastor Simon and I were there and anybody who's on any committees. And there was, a, uh, there was food, a lot of food, because there's always food present when Christians get together, right? As you can see, example A out in the center. Uh, there was food, there was worship, we had meeting times, we had more worship, a sermon, we took communion together. And then after communion, after we had the taste of the bread and the juice in our mouth, we sang this song titled, Oh, Praise the Name. And it's an amazing song that is similar to the colors of the gospel. It just tells the gospel out in the song. In the beginning of the song, the first line is, I cast my mind to Calvary. I cast my mind to Calvary. Now, first off, you may not know what that means if you've never actually heard the word Calvary before. You don't, you don't even know what that word means. So let's look at it. Calvary is actually a hill titled Golgotha, which is actually the hill of the skull or the skull hill or however you want to do it. Basically, what happened is at the top of that hill is where Jesus' cross was planted and Jesus died. So when he's saying, I cast my mind to Calvary, I'm looking to where my salvation is. And then the very next line in the song is where my Jesus bled and died for me. That's it. 
That's our salvation. And you had a bunch of meth in our brunch. You had a bunch of Methodist preachers together who were going through this time that is so unsure in the Methodist church. And we don't know which way we're going sometimes and which way we're not. But you're hearing all these Methodist preachers saying, I cast my mind to Calvary where my Jesus bled and died for me. That's all that matters. Because tomorrow, the next day, the next week, Jesus is still our king. That's what our salvation is. Jesus is king. Christ is on the throne yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. And no matter what our circumstances are or what we do here on earth, we can't change that. We can't change what happens on that throne because it already happens, it's already done, it's already won. Christ is king. We have hope in a king that's death and resurrection can't be phased by our circumstances. We have hope in a king and a resurrection and a death that can't be phased by by our circumstances. Our hope, our lives, our faith, our everything changed that day that Jesus died. Because Jesus died because he came to seek and save the lost. And the only true way to save us, the only true way to save humanity, was by dying on that cross. That's how he saved the lost. And throughout scripture, throughout the gospels, you will see Jesus making it a point to seek out his people and to bring them the living water, the eternal life that they so dreamed of. In John 4, he sought out the woman at the well and made sure to go through Samaria. If you look, he went to that island where the demon-possessed man was to find that man. Or all the 12 disciples. He sought out each disciple and said, come, follow me. Come with me. Or he looked at Paul, the worst of all who hated Jesus so much and said, hey, I want you. Jesus sought out the lost. And if we look at Luke 15, which Brock read a little bit for us, but Luke 15 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after this lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And there's another parable after it, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. But the common theme of these stories is the person that's searching for their lost item does not stop until they find it. The person who is looking for this lost item will not stop. 
Now you need to realize, you, can, you don't need to question if God has stopped seeking you out because that is not even a possibility. You need to question and look at your life. Where in your life is God telling you that he's looking for you? Where in your life is God popping in and saying, hey, look, I'm right here, come to me. We need to look around and see where God is chasing after us. Because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Because of what happened on that hill. And what was not in that tomb. We all have a chance of a life with God forever. A life of salvation. A life without brokenness. Something that is greater and bigger. A life on solid ground. And a life that's on solid ground, the solid ground of salvation, when you are found, you can't be shaken. You plant your feet in the Savior Jesus Christ, and sure, you may sway a little bit, and you may falter this way and that way, but your feet can't move, because Jesus is the one that there is holding them. And you know why you can't move? You know why you won't be knocked off your solid ground? It's because when Jesus died and was resurrected, death was defeated. Death was defeated. On Calvary is not where Jesus' life ended. It's where our salvation began. It's where your life began. We have a new life, a new hope. Do you get it? The enemy cannot win in your life anymore. If you let Jesus take over, the enemy can't win. The enemy is defeated. He doesn't have a hold on us. And you tell him to get out of the way in Jesus' name, he will move. And the thing that I have learned over and over and over again in ministry and in life, that is when God is about to do something big, when God has something big planned, the enemy is going to try and find a way to stop it. When God is going to transform hearts for the gospel, the enemy wants to stop it. When God wants to reclaim the throne in your heart, the enemy is going to try everything to stop it. And when God is going to pour out the Holy Spirit like a flood, the enemy wants to stop it. The enemy will use whatever tactic he can get a hold of to make sure God has no influence on our lives. He'll whisper in your ear that you're not good enough. He'll whisper in your ear that you can't make a difference. He'll tell you that no one loves you. You're alone. Don't worry about it. That cross means nothing. I mean, that cross is put out so many times. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Stop looking up there. There's nothing up there. The enemy will use whatever he can. This past year at Summer Games, well, the enemy tries to make himself present at summer games every year. There was something interesting that happened this past year. Uh, we were in the middle of the week. I don't even know. if It was either Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Middle of the week, right? That's the middle. <laughs> Everyone's getting back from their super satellites or their fun time in the afternoon and going back to the dorms to shower. And everyone's complaining that there's cold water, which it's 90 degrees out. I don't know why you're complaining. But... They get there, and then we get to our meetings, and we find out that all of the College of Grinnell has no hot water. The whole college, everything, no hot water at all. 
Well, now the people who are blessed with air conditioning, they're probably the ones whining that they don't get the hot water while those who are in, in no air conditioning are loving it. And it wouldn't be that big of a deal, you think, that not having hot water in the middle of, of the, the summer, I mean, it's hot, right? But then all the students, they walk into the dining hall, and they go in for dinner. And where are their trays? They can't carry their 10 plates of food that are stacked 10 feet high, and they can't get all their ice cream and their, and their brownies. They can only have one little styrofoam plate that they can maybe put a burger and fries on. It's summer games. You have to have a full plate of food. And so they couldn't use any of their plates. They couldn't use any of their trays. They couldn't wash them because they didn't have hot water to sanitize them. Now, it may not seem that big of a deal, but when one of our staff asked, the, summer, the Grinnell staff, so when's the last time you guys lost hot water? They all looked in a little frenzy, and they all looked like they were panicking, and like they had no idea what to do because the guy said, we have never, ever lost hot water, and nobody knows why we lost it. We have never, ever lost hot water, and they didn't know why it happened. So you're saying the week that there's hundreds of students and adults worshiping the king of kings that you guys lose hot water? You try and figure that one out. But what happened was God still got praised. We all said, God, you can't, or Satan, you can't stop my praise because I am praising the king of kings, so let me sing a little louder so I can't hear you. Satan will work in the hearts of leaders. He will work in the hearts of huddle leaders. He will work in the hearts of Bible study leaders in our church. He will work in the hearts of anybody who lets him in. He'll tell you, you can't lead anyone to Christ. You're insignificant. You can't send kids to camp. Camp is no, is no big deal. You don't need to look up to that hill. Stop looking there. He wants you to think that you can't be used by God that you shouldn't praise him, but the one that is only worthy of my praise is the one who died on that cross. The one who died for me is alone worthy. I will lift my hands and worship to the king because like Brock said earlier, I'm lifting my hands not because I'm uncomfortable, but because he deserves it. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to lift my hands. And, my, and Pastor Mike talked last week, you got the, the sweats, the camp sweats under your arm because you're, it's so hot in here. You lift them anyway because it's about him and not about us. So even if the Satan says it's uncomfortable, I'm lifting my hands. I'll teach people about the, church, about the Bible in church, even if the Satan says I'm not good enough. I'll send kids to camp and continue to pray for them, even if he says it's insignificant. I will cast my mind to Calvary because that's where my Jesus bled and died for me. My mind, my life, my praises are devoted to the man who died for me. We want our students to say that every day of our lives. That's why we send kids to camp. So that they will say that Jesus is their Savior every single day. Heck, we don't just want our students to say that. We want everybody in this room, everybody in this church to say that. Amen? We want our students 
to cast our mind to Calvary every day, to, to live into the gospel every day. That's why they create themes like 360, or they create themes like connection, which is this year, because they're all leading to a life that is driving you closer to God. They're leading you to a life that is driving you closer to God. Each theme, the underlying point, is the gospel. The gospel is God chasing after you. So that camp is the opportunity for them to hear that Jesus is chasing after them, that he is shepherd the sheep or the shepherd looking for the sheep. He's searching for the coin. He's climbing the tallest mountain. He's lighting up every single darkness because he wants their hearts. He wants your hearts. So we, we ask our students if they're going to cast their mind to Calvary, but I'm going to ask you that question. Do you cast your mind up to the cross every single day? Do you know that Jesus is chasing after you, that he's seeking your heart, that he's kicking down every wall so that he can get to you? Do you look to him and say, use me, I'm your vessel. I will work for you. I will be with you forever. Are you ready to say to God that nothing will stop my praise for you, my king of kings, because this life is about you? There's this thing that we do at summer games, and, and since it's Camp Sunday, we wanted to do this with y'all, that at camp, we have all of our youth pastors and our pastors and our leaders line up, and then the night that the students, it's usually the second night where the students are just feeling the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit, and they don't know how to let it go, students will line up with these youth pastors, and they'll come to down to what's called an altar call, and they'll re- dedicate their life or they'll dedicate it for the first time to saying that I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior because I know what he did for me so today we want to do something similar if you want to say that yes I will sing to God yes I will follow God and yes I choose God no matter what to serving the man that died for you up on that cross are you ready to commit or recommit your life to Jesus or to say, hey, I'm, I'm doing it, but I want to stay strong, so I'm going to come anyway. We're going to have students who are going to be standing behind and they can, they can come up, stand behind these kneeling rails. If you want students to pray over you, who have, they're huddle leaders who have been praying over uh, students for years and years at camp, come up to them. Come up to the altar, come up to the cross, come up to the foot of the hill of Calvary where Jesus died for you so that you can just focus your life on him and stop worrying about all the noise that is around you. Will you celebrate what Jesus did for you on the cross? The kneeling rails are ready, the students are coming up and they will pray for you. If not, you can also just pray there together and say, Jesus, yes, this is a time for me and you. I'm here for you. Let us join this time together.